Welcome to Machine Learning with David Nishimoto. Uh, today I'm going to talk about uh, defense, military defense, and uh, how the um, landscape of, of uh, technology is changing uh, military power. So there was a uh, Technology and Warfare by Ben Kreville that was written a amazing book. Uh, recommend that you read it. All the Ben Kreville books are are very well thought out and uh, do propose some interesting uh, paradoxes that exist in our 21st century. One of which is the paradox that if you continue to fight a weaker force for a longer period of time, the weaker force actually gets stronger, and at some point you can actually lose even being a more powerful force. One of the advantages that we have in the 21st century is technology. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean that uh, all warfare will come to an end because technology will uh, be the decisive factor. Economics still play a large role in warfare. Uh, wars have to be financed. They have to be paid for. They, they cost a tremendous amount of money uh, in terms of logistics, supplies, uh, uh, resources, soldiers, uh, food, food, shelter, and salaries. Uh, if you look at the expenditures for the United States, it's about $600 billion a year. And uh, if you look at the overall debt or cost of war, it's um, close to $20 trillion, exactly the amount that we owe in the national deficit. Um, and so the wars are uh, very costly to every man, woman, and child. You know, we will pay for the, the wars for, for decades. But there's an interesting uh, correlation, and that is the wars are, are paid, paid are financed by bonds, so money is borrowed, and uh, and then uh, the money goes to pay for military defense. So anciently, wars were uh, short-lived. They they were conflicts. The the citizen soldier would go out, he would fight, uh, and then he would return back to his lands and he would uh, hopefully be back in time to harvest his crops. Now we see uh, with modern-day carriers, aircraft that can move troops around, uh, deployments that can last three, three years on a rotating basis. And so you look at the fact that we've been in uh, the Middle East you know, for now close to 20-some-plus years, um, it's... Or, or almost closer to 30 years. Um, it's amazing that the cost of a war, how long term the costs are, are, are. But when you look at the military um, costs and the risk of life, the use of technology is becoming more favorable. So in the Desert Storm, we had satellite technology, the war planners could uh, see troop, troop movements and uh, from satellite imaging that they can plan strategic um, uh, countermeasures to, to fight these wars. And I remember reading about uh, some of the 
concerns about the fact that perhaps Iraq uh, would uh, strike the men, the U.S. soldiers, as they were coming across the desert uh, in the uh, week or so long march or, or you know, uh, moving their the, the tanks and tr- trucks over the ter- of the desert towards Iran, Iraq, and um, uh, Schwarzkopf were worrying about the possibility that there might be a nuclear strike if there was a, um, say, a low kiloton uh, weapon that was launched by Saddam. He was afraid that you know they could be paralyzed out in the desert, their forces destroyed. And uh, when I listened to a national debate uh, at Weber State University, I listened to the uh, different universities come in and argue uh, the different tactics for warfare. It was interesting that one tactic was the use of uh, localized theater nuclear warfare, where they could destroy tanks uh, and troops through the use of a, of a war, of a nuclear weapon, um, not as powerful as the megaton weapons or the hydrogen weapons, but uh, definitely uh, strong enough to knock out uh, the enemy in the localized theater. So that was something that was exposed as a vulnerability. Uh, we use as countermeasures today, uh, submarine warfare to protect us against uh launches uh, against ICBM launches. So uh, there's strategic um, cat and mouse in the ocean that is played, and also the the weapons are pointed uh, at strategic targets to prevent first strike scenarios. And so the first strike scenario was definitely something that was of high concern as uh, countries with nuclear weapons uh, if they were put in a uh, DEFCON 5 scenario like war games, might launch the weapon. And so uh, to prevent that, there, and also to prevent uh, invasion of Europe, the submarines uh, have are a first line of defense, even though the missiles have been removed and there's been a movement towards the destruction of nuclear weapons. There's still a lot of weapons that are still available. And so in the age of modern warfare, uh, the countries that have nuclear weapons are going to be more powerful and uh, more feared than the countries that don't. So in the usage of technology in warfare, it's it's interesting how uh, machine learning is starting to become an important factor. So the one I saw was they have uh, a smart drone. Uh, the drone can fly around. It's based on uh, almost like a mosquito or a hummingbird uh, behavior. If you swipe at the drone, it moves away. Uh, but it has a attack mode where if it's a soldier, it can plant a explosive charge on the soldiers uh, and then detonate one close to his body and cause barbly harm. So, uh, you know, that probably uh, there would be some ways like the, to to uh, stop these little drones, but they, they use swarm warfare, so um, it kind of reminds me of uh, the um, Sol- Solaris X book I wrote, 
on on swarm warfare. And the way that works is it has a, it has a uh, collective rule. Swarms uh, tend to have a uh, leader flight following pattern, so they'll follow the direction of the leader bird, and then they move. If the bird moves to the left, the group moves to the left. If they move to the right, the group moves to the right. And so it's a fairly simple algorithm for watching uh, birds around them. So if a bird is flying in the swarm, it doesn't collide with other birds because it has a simple non-collision algorithm that it's following. And so um, the idea is that, that the swarm can overrun uh, a, a force by numbers. And so it also, by power of the network, could communicate with each other, so it could be coordinating uh, uh, behaviors and strategies. And so, in the in uh, for example, in RoboCup, where they they're playing, the robots are playing a soccer game. The smaller robots now uh, can pass the ball. They they have strategies for passing the ball, uh, setting up a movement uh, so that the ball is being passed around. And then the other robots are forming strategies for intercepting and moving to the um, opposite goal for uh, an attempt to score. And so the RoboCup is the example of swarm or network behavior working together to accomplish a goal. And, and um, so the, the weapons of the future may not be large tanks, even though I think the tanks and, and uh, airstrike uh, capability will be in the future, that uh, what we'll see is more uh, smart drones with weapons that can, uh, you know, come in quick and lay down a fast suppressive fire and then allow the slower moving drones that are moving higher above to drop their payloads. And once they've cleared the, the resistance, then allowing the ground troops to move in um, and hopefully gain the territories and, and gain a victory. So modern technology um, allows for the higher killing ratios. And those higher killing ratios in warfare um, are then translated to uh, more effective usage of technology and resources. So in the case of a conflict, if the soldier did not have to uh, go out to harm's way, then uh, the technology was uh, very advantageous. And so um, some of the other areas where lives were being saved as a result of warfare was using the robots to go uh, uh, detonate or to identify if um, an object was as an ordinance, and then the teams would come in, and, and they would be able to to handle it. They could put it in a uh, explosive protective bar barrel, and then detonate it. So, um, technology such as robots for identifying and uh, reducing the risk of ordinance was very important in. Uh, the wars in the past. So war is an ugly business. It's very immoral. I hate war. You know, the, you know, the 
there's very little, if anything, that good that comes of war. It's very expensive. Um, and everyone is glad when the wars are over quickly and they can get back to uh, the business of living life. Um, but that's not to say that the, the, the military industrial machinery is not using technology to build smarter planes. Um, you know, when you look at air combat, there's a lot of things that have to occur. There's a lot of maneuvers that the, the pilots are trained on, and uh, the heads-up display is showing um, where you know other planes are. They're using that to uh, uh, be able to fight and do their maneuvers, and uh, perhaps in the future, as the combination of virtual reality and augmented reality and machine learning combine into the modern aircraft, that uh, the pilot will be engaged in making rapid decisions, but the machine will be helping him, uh, you know, launch weapons or uh, identify existing threats and uh, maneuver the plane into evasive maneuvers. And uh, those type of behaviors then will allow um, the survivability of the pilots to be better. But uh, um, yeah, it's uh, 